TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Inside the Champion's Mind featuring Dr. Lawrence Tam and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to Inside the Champion's Mind, a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in anything that you do. I'm Lawrence Tam, co-founder of The Wellness Couch, and my champion mindset co-host, Marcus Pierce. How are you, LT? Welcome back from Bali, great man. Oh, it's been a, it's been a great week. It's uh, been a, you know, just doing some uh, coaching and some training over there and, uh, and some relaxation, of course. And you got to be part of Damien Christoph's growth of a moustache, which must have just been thrilling for you. Uh, scary, uh, more than anything. <laughs> I tried to grow a moustache 10 years ago and it's still growing and it's uh, looking exactly the same. <laughs> I love it how you can make fun of yourself. Hey, LT, I know that uh, you, me, and many thousands of other people around the world listen to um, one of the greatest podcasts on the Wellness Couch and that is Up For A Chat. And I listen to the girls gas bag every week for an hour and I love it. I grew up with two sisters uh, and uh, my mum, so I lived in a house of girls and I love listening to these girls. But what I love is listening to Cindy um, often talk about how she became uh, or how Changing Habits was formed and the challenges that she went through. Um, That's what I really resonate with, the challenges that she went through and actually getting it up to where it is today. And I thought it would be great to get the wonderful Cindy O'Meara onto the show. For those that haven't listened to Up For A Chat, let me just let you in on what it is uh, that Cindy's about and who she is. In my view of the world, she probably knows more about health than 95% of the health professionals in the world. I call her the most informed non-doctor on the planet. Um, Cindy is a nutritionist and author of seven books, including the bestseller Changing Habits, Changing Lives. Um, She is featured all over the world on TV, radio, on the stage, and of course, as I said, co-host on Up For A Chat. Um, The great thing I think about Cindy is she talks outwardly and loudly about what everyone is thinking inwardly and quietly, and that takes a huge amount of courage. And for that, we thank you, Cindy. Welcome to Inside the Champion's Mind. Thank you, Marcus. That was a great introduction. Well, you're worthy of every single word. You've just done an amazing... Already, you've left a great legacy um, to the world from a healthcare perspective. But I really want to know, like you mentioned, I just if I can, because all of your business history is kind of littered throughout the Up for a Chat podcast. But changing habits, changing lives, or even your profile, full stop, almost didn't come to be. Can you share that story? It's a long one, I know. <laughs> oh, as far as changing habits, changing lives went. Well, um, I was. Uh, you know, educated as a nutritionist in a, um, a traditional university. Uh, I was taught that type of nutrition, which was the low-fat, high-carbohydrate, margarine, those types of things, parameters, you know, that processed foods were fine, that carbs were good, and so on and so on. And and as I got out of university and started to really think about what I'd been taught, I actually didn't agree with any of it. And I used to look at my lecturers and, and I'd think, they, they look fat, sick, and nearly dead. I had one lecturer who could um, sit on his stool and have his knee on his, his tummy or his tummy on his knee. So when I could critically think again when I was out of the institution of the university, I, I started to go, you know what, I don't agree with this. Um, and I started to look for mentors in my life. And so I found Bernard Jensen. He was in his 80s, I believe, when I went to a one-week conference with him. And 
so there weren't many mentors out there at the at that time. There was like Dorothy Hall, Bernard Jensen, Paul Bragg, but they were enabling me to to really um, think critically about what I was taught and what I believed in because I was brought up in a chiropractic lifestyle. So my father believed that in, unless you're in a life-threatening um, situation, you never needed a medication. So after consulting as a nutritionist for quite some time, I went to, um, we, we moved to the Sunshine Coast and I, I, I had babies and I couldn't work outside the house and I thought, what can I do inside the house um, and still contribute after so many years of university? So I wrote, I went to the local paper um, on the Sunshine Coast, uh, it's called the Sunshine Coast Daily, and I said, would you like um, a columnist to do a weekly column for nutrition? And they agreed. I, I don't know how I did it, but they agreed. And for two years, I wrote a column for the Sunshine Coast Daily, and it was very controversial. There was either letters to the editor saying, this woman has no idea what she's saying, do not listen to her, she's, she's a charlatan, blah, blah, blah. And then there'd be ones that would say, yeah, definitely, you should have seen them. Mm-hmm. Then there'd be ones that would say, you know what, she makes some common sense issues here. So there was always polarised letters to the editor and then I remember I wrote this article on margarine. Oh, my gosh. Um, and they published it. And the Margarine Association rang the paper and said, either retract what you've said or give us a full-page spread on margarine. And, of course, they didn't want to be sued, so they did the full-page spread on the benefits of margarine because I oh. said, I'm not retracting. I, I just wouldn't retract what I'd said. I said, no, I've got proof. I'm not retracting what I said. <laughs> Did they spend any money with the paper? Was it an advertising argument or was it just big business coming on top? Big business, big business. Yeah, yeah I'd never seen margarine um, in advertising. It might have been as part of, you know, Woolworths or Coles advertising, but it was never advertised by itself. So they did a one-page spread on the benefits of margarine and how good it was, etc. Then the next thing I wrote about, this is about two years into my stint with the paper as I started to... I talked about artificial sweeteners and how bad they were and that we shouldn't be having diet drinks. And this was the 1990s, guys. This is early 1990, 1991. I was 10. I was 10, Cindy. I was in oh, great dear. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. This is when I was talking about, you know, I was talking about cholesterol and, and um, how good it was for you and saturated fats and how good they were for you. And I was doing all of this stuff back then in the 1990s, 91. And, and so then I did one on artificial sweeteners. And my editor said, can't publish it. And I said, you know what? If you can't, you know, if you're not prepared to uh, publish the truth, then you know what? I don't want to write for you anymore. So I left the paper and I started to look at what I had written for the paper and went, you know what? There's a book in this. So I compiled it all, sent it to all the publishers around Australia and nobody wanted it. No, nobody wanted it. They just said it was it was not not worthy it wasn't it was too controversial and they didn't want it then i met um a lady who was an editor and she said cindy i've heard you speak um this isn't you this is a scientific mumbo jumbo that none of the public are going to want to listen to why don't you make it simple for people so i rewrote the whole book changing habits changing lives and i decided that publishers didn't want me so i self published and um i Got it all printed up, and my first was two thousand. So I figured out if I sold two thousand books at this amount of money, then I would cover costs. 
And that, oh that's how gosh. I figured out. Yeah, that's how I figured out. Did you have out. a garage full of books? Yeah, 2000. Yeah, yeah, a garage full of books. You didn't have print on demand back in those days. So you actually had to have, <laughs> this is like watching one of those movies of the, the, the spouse that has, you know, was it when the movie of, with Will Smith, I forget what the movie was, but he had all of those contraptions in his garage and he knew that he would sell it and, um, and he ended up, you know, figuring out how to sell it all. Did you have the whole garage full of changing habits, changing lives, just working out how you could get this to the public? Yeah, yeah, and and the way I got it to the public because there was no social media, there was no internet, there were there were no websites, um, as far as I knew back in the nineteen. This was nineteen, so websites were just starting. I think I got my first website in nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. I think it was. Yeah. So it was ninety eight uh, when I self published the book, and I just started to speak at my local Lions Club and Rotary and. Um, weight watches and I don't know I just spoke wherever I could speak and I would sell my book or ladies clubs and then um, I, I started to get it into bookstores locally and, and be on radio and and stuff like that and then I went I've got to get on television I've got to get on television you know that's the only way to get to people so eventually I think it was a year after I'd published my book I think it was 1999 the Easter of 1999 I called uh, Brisbane Extra for the umpteenth time. Um, Brisbane Extra doesn't exist anymore, but it was about the Brisbane a- area and it was on, I don't even know what channel it was on, but it, anyway. And I went to Maya in Brisbane and I said, well, you just take 10 books, just take 10 books. And then I can tell Southeast Queensland that Maya has my book. And they did, they took 10 books. And I was on um, Brisbane Extra on Easter Monday night and by Easter Tuesday, and it was a six-minute segment, by Easter Tuesday, Maya had called by 10 past nine saying, could you send another 40 books? And I said, sure. And then then they rang and they said, can you send 40 books to every Maya store in southeast Queensland? <laughs> and then it was 60 books and it was 80 books and, like, Every 10 minutes they were ringing back um, and finally I, I just said to them, look, I, I can do this. I, I'd sold out. I, I sold the whole lot out in that very short period of time and and basically then Maya Australia bought it and and then it went to bookstores and then I went on all television programs around Australia and my book sold 20,000 um, of the self-published version. And, of course, that's when publishers start to look at you. And I was called by a few publishers, but more specifically Penguin Australia. And they said, look, we know we rejected you and we know you've done well and we know you probably don't need us, but we're offering a contract. (laughs) Now, Cindy, can you interject here? Can I interject here and say the story of them calling you is is remarkable in itself? Weren't you in the far most western part of Australia at some remote (laughs) telephone box when you got this random call? Or you well, text your voice message or something? Yeah, yeah, that was my second book. So what had happened is that Changing Habits was doing really well. I'd done an Australian tour. They were selling. I'd gone to bestseller. Everything was going really well and I offered them another book. And they said, no, um, not at this point. We still want to see how well Changing Habits goes over a period of time. So I am. I am in a telephone box uh, in the most westerly point of the Australian continent and I was really blown away that there was a tough but it was there for an emergency because we had to drive like hundreds of kilometres on this dirt track to get there. And I thought, oh, I haven't checked my telephone messages. I might do that. So I checked my telephone messages and it was um, them saying a year after I'd offered them my cookbook, 
it was them asking me, Penguin asking me to write it and have it done in three months. And I was travelling around Australia. But you know what I did? When we had packed the the bus, because we were travelling around Australia as a family for two years, when I packed the bus I thought, I'll just put that second book in there just in case, just in case they want it. And so I had three months to write this whole book because all I had was just my idea. And what I figured out was I, I, um, I had to figure out I'm travelling around Australia, I'm homeschooling my children, I'm doing talks to, you know, promote changing habits, changing lives. I've got to write this book. So I worked out that this is what the book was going to be like. I then chunked it down. So I chunked it down into chapters. I then figured out what needed to go into each chapter uh, and then went, if I spend two to three hours um, every single day on this over the next three months, I'll have it finished. And so what I would do is I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning before I had to homeschool the children and before they got up and I would work. But what was amazing is that when you're working at 4.30 in the morning, nobody rings, nobody calls, nobody's there, the kids aren't up, the husband's not up, no one's there to disturb you, that I actually finished that book in two and a half months. I was two weeks ahead of schedule. Wow. It's amazing, though, when you actually have a deadline. You know, when you have a deadline, you actually get things accomplished. And when we don't have deadlines, it's oftentimes like we'll just, you know, take our time with it because you're trying to perfect it. Um, and so you've gone to a, a really incredible journey. But I'd like to go back right to the beginning, you know, because you said you started this uh, when you, you know, in the early 1990s when just writing the articles. And what was your headspace like? I mean, when you had, when the first time, let's talk about the very first time you saw a review that was, that was negative, that was against you. What, 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 what were you thinking and how did you handle that? Oh, good thought, good thought. Um, I thought they were a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know better. Yeah. Uh, that's all it was. I just went, well, you don't know any better. Mm. And a lot of them were medical doctors that were criticising me because I was talking about that low fat was not good and, you know, I was really going against convention. And my thoughts were, well, you don't know any better than me. You know, you don't know any better. You haven't learnt this stuff. And, and I get that. You know, I've just recently um, just been on um, interviewed by a current affair regarding the whole cholesterol and saturated fat thing, which is really big at the moment. Mm-hmm. And when they were asking me this, um, there were some other questions that were asked. And in the end, I went, you know what, this is old hat. You know, well, I've known this for 30 years. This is just, to me, old hat. And then I went, you know what we're learning now? Uh, it will blow your mind what we now know about food and what it can do for the health of the body. So I guess I, I actually look at um, criticism. It does hurt, don't get me wrong. I look at it and I go, I actually question myself sometimes and I go, did I get that wrong? And then I go back through my study and through my everything and I go, no. Nah. I haven't got this wrong. I know that where I'm going is 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 the correct way to go. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, at yes. the beginning, right? Like, I mean, that's the hard part because right now, like, obviously, you, you know, you're you're a bestseller, and you, you know, you're speaking around the, you know, around the world, and so you got that confidence. I mean, build that confidence enough to kind of stand your ground, like, you know what, you know, I know what I'm talking about. At the beginning, though, like, I'm sure that obviously it hurt. It, it kind of yeah. like it kind of shook you up a little bit. Was there any time like you just sort of thought, you know what, like the hell with this? You know, like, especially in the beginning, I don't know, I've gone through that. It's like, oh, forget this. Like, this is just too hard. And this is where 
I'm trying to get the lesson out of here because the listeners listening to this, I'm sure, have all gone through this where we, we kind of go do something. And the first thing that we will get is a bit of resistance, right? And that resistance is what often stops us from, you know, achieving what we, our dream. Like, I mean, this is from the early 1990s. So we're talking about 20-year career here, 20-plus 20 20 year career here mm-hmm. that, that has, you know, obviously exploded for you. But it started somewhere. And oftentimes that people forget is no, never been, no one does a, a one-hit wonder, right? It always takes time. I'm building and I would love to get back to that early days and you know what who were the people I want to like to ask two questions now who were the people around you that you got support from and you know how did you kind of turn your mind around to say you know what forget them I'm going to do this anyways you know um the first part of that question that you asked me was that was there a time that you just wanted to give up and there was um and I believe it was around I'd, I'd finished my book and it was probably 1998 and it was the beginning of my speaking career. And I remember speaking to a group of maybe 100 people in the Kalandra region and I was talking about, you know, fats and things like that. And this was in the low-fat, high-carb era that, you know, everybody knew that that was right. And I had people walking out on me. I had um, people slamming books down and saying, I've had enough you know, and, and people just, it was unbelievable. And all I could do was keep myself together. That's, mm. I just could keep myself together. And then um, as the girl is thanking me, I'm, I'm nearly in tears and I just want to get out of there. And as I um, finally say goodbye and get out of there, I, I burst into tears in the car and just went, you know what, I don't need this. I don't mm. need this crap. And I was really upset and I just decided that was it. Once I'd sold the last of the books, I wasn't going to go on. But, you know, people who were around me um, and it just so happened that I'm, I met a girl at the grocery store. I had to go to the grocery store on my way home to get some food and I met this girl at the grocery store and I told her what had happened. She just happened to work for Lisa Curry and Lisa mm. Curry was one of my friends at the time. And... Lisa uh, was a speaker also and she ended up bringing another guy um, and told the whole story to this guy. And this guy rang me and he was a great speaker at the time and he said to me, I've got a five-day workshop happening for speakers. Um, It's yours for free if you want to come. I've heard what's happened to you. I've heard you, you know, you're really outspoken, stuff like that. And I guess... um, when something bad happens, something good always seems to counteract that. Mm. That that speaker training was $5,000 that I didn't have, you know. Mm. I didn't have that money. And I just felt that people get, you know, they do. They support you and you've just got to be open to that support. I could have said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. But I went, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to what they're saying. And, and so I, I guess, you know, that support was unbelievable at that point because I was ready to hang up everything um, because it hurts. It does hurt when, when people do that, especially when you are out there speaking. So, so when you, yeah, especially when you put yourself on the line and putting yourself on the line is, you know, when you, when you get up there, on, 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 especially when you do a, when you're speaking, like you, you're, you're in the firing line, like you're, you know, right there for everybody to kind of, you know, toss tomatoes at you. Um, because especially when you, <laughs> when you're speaking something of, um, that's controversial, um, you know, back in the nineties as well, and it's kind of controversial now, which is kind of weird. So I can only imagine, um, how, 
how it was, you know, 20 some years ago. So you, you took that uh, initiative to, to take that extra training to kind of get through those. What were some of the things uh, that you learned from that to how to combat re- rejection and just keep moving forward? Like, what was the driver for you? I mean, like you said, one of the things I want to get to is, you know, you said you had, you know, you're going to sell that last book. I mean, obviously, the driver was to kind of pay off the, the publishing of the book. That was the first driver. <laughs> but what was the continual driver for you to continue, um, you know, to continue to spread that message and just keep on going and decide to publish a second, you know, second edition? Well, I, I actually um, have really thought about this because... I often I go to speakers all the time, and I, I always love listening to them and getting ideas and listening to what they say. And this this one speaker um, always asked the question because I've been to her quite a few times, and she always asked the question, "Who wants to make a difference in the world?" and And is that what drives you to do what you do? And and I really thought about it, and I went, oh, "No, that's not my driver. No, no." So I never put my hand up, but I watch everybody else put their hand up when they are asked this question. But that's not my driver. You know what my driver is? Is I love this. I love research. I love reading. I love food. I love figuring out how I can be. And it's all about me. You know, really, it is all about me. It's a purely selfish interest, which is beautiful. It's purely selfish and about my family. How can I be the best person, the healthiest person? How can I tweak my body even that little bit further and the foods that I eat to to get to be the best person that I can be? And then my thoughts are this, and then by example, I may be able to influence my family and friends because that's what it is. It's I can't change anybody else but me. And, and then I, I, you know, I experiment on myself all the time and I experiment with foods and I, I read everything I can and then I come up with a conclusion that might work for me and then I go, well, if it works for me, will it work for another human being? And I'm hoping that that human being is my husband and my children and they all follow me, by the way, you know, and then from there maybe I can even influence my family and friends and, you know, like my um, up for a chat, co-host Karen and and Kim you know the three of us influence each other all the time but it's about us tweaking ourselves first Mm. and then and doing it and I think it's that absolute love there's no there's there's no money driving this you know like I I earn a lovely living now I can do anything I want um my husband and I work together um we have a wonderful team around us I love coming to work I love speaking I love writing researching so I think number one, it's love. It's mm. a love for what we're doing and how can we can be the best person we can, and maybe by example, influence. I think it's also being people. yourself, isn't it? Like you're obviously a person who who's being yourself. You're not trying to be someone you're not, and um, you're okay for saying something that you know, say two, three years ago might have been a mistake, and you would admit it now. And I think that's what people appreciate is the honesty, um, because we're not all perfect. I think a lot of people think that you know, just because you're a speaker, you're you know, or a host on a podcast, that we everything we say is perfect and there's no you know this we can't go wrong with it but you know as time goes on science changes and you know we realize that you know maybe something we said two or three years ago is you know is not true now and i think it's by admitting to that and being true to yourself it will um you know allow people to kind of get that honesty and um you know they just follow your footsteps yeah we do the best with the knowledge that we've got at the time Hmm. and as we get more knowledge we can do better And, and i even look back now and um, you know, my sister and my mother um, passed away from cancer 
And at the time, that was another time I wanted to quit. I went, well, geez, I couldn't even help my mum and my sister. How the hell am I going to help the rest of the world, you know? Mm. So, um, you know, what I know now, I wish I knew seven years ago when they passed away. They passed away within a five-month period. And I go, if I only knew better, and even the bringing up of my children and the food that I fed them then of what I know now about this food and what they've done to our food, even though I probably did a better job than most people because of my knowledge, I look back now with my knowledge and I go, I could have done so much better. So now I've got to teach the young mums. I've got to, you know, got to get them know, okay, this is what I know, guys. This is what I've made mistakes in and this is where I've learnt. And now that I know better, I can teach you guys so you don't have to make the same mistakes as I made. Mm. And, and will that change in another three or four years? I don't know, but I just know in the last two years particularly that the amount of knowledge in nutrition is just, oh, my gosh, it's – I've got – 10 books sitting ready for me to <laughs> <read>. <laughs> You need deadlines. We need to, you need to produce the next book by three months' time. Cindy, I'm going to shift gears for a little bit because I would love to know a little bit more about this. Um, I know your daughter. She's obviously studying in Perth at the moment. And so um, you got beautiful children. Like, What are some of the things that you hope that you have instilled in them in terms of a mindset, in terms of doing what they do? whatever they want to do, what was like three things that you hope that you've achieved of, you know, raising them um, that you hope that they've gained so that they can be uh, a better human being? Uh, well, number one, um, how to be healthy. Because mm. if you don't have physical and mental health, uh, you've got nothing. You really don't. You, you must realize that the mind and the body are connected and they must have good health. So that's number one. They know how to get it. They know how to do it. They know what foods they should be eating and they learn with me. So that's number one. Number two is to be a critical thinker. So not to take everything at face value. So we'll be sitting down. (laughs) My kids cringe. (laughs) But we'll be sitting down, you know, say watching commercial television and an ad will come on. And they cringe when a food ad comes on (laughs) or a drug ad comes on because I'll always make comment. And it will be about critically thinking about what they're actually saying and how they're marketing to you. So, uh, uh, you know, number one is their health. Number two is critically thinking. Um, And number three, my belief is that you can do anything you put your mind to. It's about deciding what you want. It's about going for it. Um, and it, and it's about finding internally your strength rather than always looking externally. So we always look externally these days for everything. We look, we blame people. We, we look for a drug to make us feel better, think better, whatever it is. We, we, you know, we're always looking externally and I've really taught them that they can look within for their strength because they have everything within them. I've given them all the basics and it's about looking internally because we do have it. It's just that everybody thinks it's outside them. Yeah, it's an inside job, hey? It's Um, an inside job. It's an inside job. Cindy, you girls on Up for a Chat are always talking about, well, I think it's Karen often saying, well, doesn't everyone know this? And Cindy will often go, no, Karen, not everybody does know this. This is why we're all still doing this so passionately and so fervently. And, and I love Karen's innocence and I love your, um, what do I call it? Um, you've got a very big picture in mind of what it is that you're, you're here to achieve. What do you think is the future of, you know, health for, for, for so many people? Like, are you, um, 
Are you optimistic about the future, like in regards to health? Are you pessimistic? Do you think it will still be a large majority being unhealthy and a small minority, you know, being healthy? Where do you sit? Obviously, you've got so many years of wisdom on you now. How do you feel about the next 20, 30, 50 years of, of health in the country and the world? Well, I think there's a real paradigm shift happening, uh, especially around um, the, the guidelines that the organisations such as the Heart Foundation and the Diabetic Association, uh, especially in Australia because I know them, um, I think there's a real shift. Whether they're going to shift, I don't know. But people are shifting away from them and it's because of like mainstream programs coming out and saying we're questioning these things now. So I didn't think I would see it in my lifetime, but I'm seeing it. I'm actually seeing that shift. And then I go into, but am I seeing that shift within the, the people that I'm surrounded by and is it really happening out there in the general population? And I know that it's just a small percentage of people that are starting this groundswell, but it's a lot larger than it was 30 years ago when I started and the groundswell is growing. And in America I know that there's around 10 million people that are in that groundswell. Out of, you know, 330 million, that's not a lot, but at least it's starting. So in Australia, we're probably looking at that same percentage where it could be 2 or 3%. But that groundswell only has to grow, I think, to 13%. I think that's the, the critical figure. And it is. It's, it's getting there. So I am optimistic. And if I wasn't, I think I'd stop. If, you, if you're pessimistic about this, you wouldn't be doing this. But I'm optimistic. And, I, and I, like I used to speak to four people. <laughs> and, you know, at the Wellness Summit, we had 600 there. Like I've spoken to, like, and I just, we, Marcus, you know this, I spoke in sale and we had three weeks to get it together and we had over 200 people in the small country town of Sale that came and listened to um, me speak. So if Sale had a bigger hall or a bigger venue, they could have had 600. That was exactly. the, the town. <laughs> yeah, we were completely booked out. We couldn't put any more people in. And then I remember going to Gundawindi. Now, Gundawindi is in the middle of, you know, western Queensland. And uh, I said to them, you know, you'll at least need to have 80 to 100 people there for me to come. And I think we had 350. We ended up um, on the bas- in the basketball stadium. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So the swell's happening from four to 350 I probably you know in Gundawindi I might have got one person yeah 30 years ago well that's the thing though Cindy I mean you, you've taken a, a long journey to get to where you are but you're actually definitely creating a movement and that's the most important thing and um you know up for a chat has been massive here in Australia and uh, it's been great for those of you who have not uh, listened to up for a chat uh, with Karen Smith and Kim Morrison with Cindy as well it's on every Tuesday on the wellnesscouch.com site and uh, Cindy you if you want to check out Cindy's um, stuff is uh, changinghabits.com.au but Cindy, your your ability to be able to make impact on people's lives has been incredible. It's an incredible journey. I think, you know, I think all our hopes for us is not just for us to people to listen to us, but it's more about taking the initiative um, in their own spirit, in their own journey, in their own education, and hopefully they can actually create their own swell. You know, and if each every single person that we impact creates their own swell, that's how we're going to make a difference in this world. That's going to make a massive uh, change in, in the you know in the world, not just in this country, but in the world. Simply because everybody takes initiative to spread their genius and their knowledge and their own experience and being who they are. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think education is the key. I, and it doesn't have to be a, a formal degree. It can be self education. There's so much information out there that. Um, we need and in order to empower yourself 
you must be educated in in so you make the correct choices and and you're on the right path. Cindy, mm. thank you so much for your time um, being on Inside the Champion's Mind and uh, your insights and also the lessons you learned. And I only hope that our listeners can take it to the next level and uh, become their own Cindy O'Meara's and their own wellness expert or whatever you decide to do so that you can make an impact in their life. So go check out Cindy on Effort Chatter every Tuesday on the wellnesscouch.com site and also changinghabits.com.au. Um, as always, go to our Facebook page on Inside the Champion's Mind, like us there and leave a comment there below. And also go to, like I said, wellness couch to listen to the inside of champions mind and other beautiful podcasts that are on that on that channel and subscribe to us on itunes as always and give us a five-star rating if we deserve it so this is inside the champions mind a show dedicating helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in anything that you do this is lawrence tam and marcus pierce see you on the next episode this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.